there's a lot of things that are in the realm of mystery. This is one of them. And yet the Bible expresses God as God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, and yet one God. Welcome to the Loving God, Loving People podcast, where we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday lives and how, in the end, all that matters is God and people. Here's today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Robert, sitting here with Chad. Today, we're going to go theological. Theological. Theological being the study of God. And here's here's the, the great irony of all of this. Here, Chad and I, finite individuals in this finite world, we're going to talk about an infinite God and things that we- Really, really small, Mm -hmm. teeny tiny, talking about the really, really big. Yeah. So- so As if we knew what the really, really big actually was. Exactly. So to say we're going to, we're going to, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg, that would, that would be an overstatement. It's going to be a whole lot uh, less than that because there's just so much mystery to who God is, yet in his love and grace and providence and wisdom, he's revealed bits and pieces uh, to us. Do you feel like since we're talking theology today, we should be like smoking pipes and pontificating? <laughs> yes, yes that's, off? which this this is not the first time two people have sat together and pontificated on theological things. This has been happening throughout human history. And it's, yeah, the picture that you described is, is what I have in my mind throughout all of history of theologians getting together and having uh, what... Uh, one friend calls pipe and beer conversations. Pipe and beer. When I was in uh, college, we would have pub theology. Uh huh. And and there was this. Even though we went to Southern Baptist school, so you're not supposed to do that. But we would go to this place and have a beer and talk theology. Yeah. It was fun. It didn't help the world or help anybody, but it was fun. Yeah. Having the conversations. And that's that's kind of the the whole point of the the pipe and beer. There's lots of things we we can debate that have actual practical implications in life and, and really do matter for, okay, what are we doing each day? And then there's some things that uh, we're not going to be able to wrap our minds completely around, but it's still good conversation and it's still good to try and, and go, okay, what do I believe about these things? What does scripture say? And and those things that aren't the essentials of the faith, we put in the pipe and beer category. <laughs> in the of, pipe and of beer faith. category. So we're talking theology today. Is there anything applicable for today? Uh, I hope so. We'll find Let's out as we get make talking. Sure we get there. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Right on, man. What uh, do you want to talk about? Let's talk about God. So, right out of the gate in in the Bible, you open up your Bible to page one. You start reading. You're introduced to to God. He's the main character of the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and so, if you're a writer or you read a lot, you kind of understand. Okay, we're setting something up here. There's a storyline. And then you read a little bit further in that that opening chapter, and God says, "Let us." Make man in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. And so you have this singular God. And all throughout scripture, it says there's one God. In fact, one of the commandments is, you know, there's, there should be no other gods. There's, there's only one God. Uh, the central doctrine of the Old Testament, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. And yet he says, let us make mankind in our image. And so the both- name for God is plural, Elohim. I am in the, in the Hebrew is, is plural. So, okay, what's going on? page one of your Bible. So monotheistic, mm-hmm. that would be a theological term, one God. And yet we're saying us, our, yeah. I am is plural. Exactly. Yeah. So In the Hebrew. Yeah. So yeah. page one, you're scratching your head going, who is this God? And is he like schizophrenic, multiple personality? Like who is he talking to mm-hmm. when he even says, let us make mankind in our image? He's not talking to mankind because he hasn't made him yet. Mm-hmm. Who's he talking to? So we're, we're introduced to this idea of the Trinity, which you won't find that word anywhere in the Bible. It's a theological term. 
So Chad, I'm going to hand it over to you now. Please explain to all of our listeners, anybody watching, what is the Trinity? In clear, yeah. clear, I, simple. Go ahead. I can't explain it. Let's yeah. just pray and you guys have a good day. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being with us. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll give it a shot. You also add, and I get asked this um, in uh, pipe and beer situations that I might be in. Somebody will say, hey, how 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 is Jesus God's son and yet he's God? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and a few weeks ago, you know, you read the verse, I and the father are one, Jesus is talking. What, how, how does that, how does that even work? Is he God's son or is he God? Which, which, which one is he? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. So God is Trinity. Um, the best I got, and I've said this uh, at least a hundred times in my years at Sun Valley, we always want to think about when we think about three, we, we, we think addition, we think one plus one plus one equals three. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we think about God, you don't want to think addition like that. You think multiplication one times one times one equals one. And so mathematically you can have three and yet one. Mm -hmm. And this is what the Bible expresses. So to your point, the the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the Trinity is expressed. Mm -hmm. So you have God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit, three distinct persons. Yep. Which is why Jesus is God and is separate from God and yet is God at the same time. Yep. Um, it's like multiplication. One times one times one e- equals one. So you have three distinct persons mm-hmm. and yet we have a monotheistic faith. It's three and yet it's one. It's one and yet it's three. It's three distinct persons and yet and yet one God. And that is the doctrine of the Trinity, which frankly, and I usually say this when I talk about the Trinity, is one of the reasons why I believe the Bible. It's one of the reasons why I believe Christianity is real, because nobody could have thought that up. Yeah. And if you did, you wouldn't go with it because it's a really hard sell, Yep. right? So if you say, explain that to me, that's the best I've got. I, I cannot really articulate, you started the podcast with, you know, the infinite God and we're finite. He's really big. We're really small. I cannot, as a human being articulate all the ins and outs mm-hmm. of this greater being yep. that created me. Yep. Um, if I understood everything about God, I'd be God. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that are in the realm of mystery. This is one of them. And yet the Bible expresses God as God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, three distinct persons. And yet one God. Yeah. If I were, let, let's do a fun little thought experiment here. Let's pretend for a moment we're going to go into a two-dimensional world, meaning it's just a, every everything's just a, a flat plane, right? And you, you have a line. And I, I go into this two-dimensional world, and I, I try to describe things that exist in, in our world. So you right now, you live in a three-dimensional world that also happens to be moving through the dimension of time. Hang with me. So we're in this two-dimensional world, and we're going, hey, on this line, you can actually be moving, and you could walk for miles and miles and miles and still be at the same point on a line – because there's a third dimension called depth that you can't see in the two-dimensional world. You wouldn't understand what I was talking about if I described anything. I, I still don't Well, understand what you're they talking def- about. <laughs> they, in our make-believe two-dimensional world, they definitely don't understand yeah. it. Even worse than, than how you and probably everybody listening. That was a terrible example. But you, you get the idea. So for us to go into some, some other two-dimensional world to explain anything, yeah. you've used the analogy of the ant. Ants aren't going to understand your world taxes, that you ride a motorcycle, all of that. Right. Uh, the, the, we're, we're talking very different levels. When we talk about God, 
who exists outside of all creation. So, so what a lot of people try and do with understanding Father, Son, Holy Spirit is go, well, maybe it's like this three-leaf clover. Because they, they try and compare it to something in nature. They go, maybe it's like water, water and ice, ice and, and vapor, vapor, you know, and the, yeah. the steam or whatever. I've even heard, maybe it's like an egg. There's the shell. Yeah. And then there's the white and then there's the yellow. Yeah. Right? Those those are actually, the, it, there's a heresy called modalism that, that it's actually, it's one God who's just split into three parts. That's actually not what scripture teaches. Yeah. And so we know these statements to be true, but it's hard for us to reconcile from our perspective, looking at what we know in our three-dimensional world. God is nothing like that. Yeah. I've even said, and, and, and language doesn't do it justice because, you know, I... You understand this challenge, Robert. I, you know, as a teacher and a preacher, you're trying to articulate something mm-hmm. that is beyond your ability to articulate it. And so uh, I, I get myself in, in trouble sometimes. There was one time I was talking about the Trinity, and I said, one God expressed in three persons. Well, you can pick on that mm-hmm. because that's not totally accurate either uh, because he's not expressing himself three different ways. He is three different yes. persons. And, and so uh, the English language can't do it justice. We're, we're articulating a mystery. Mm-hmm. And yet we're doing this series. We started this past weekend on the Trinity. There's a beautiful aspect to this particular mystery of God. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful aspect is God in his very essence is relational. That's exactly right. And in the context of the mystery of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, He invites us into that mystery. He invites us into that relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Um, When people hear the family of God, you know, they usually think people. But the truth is, when I'm invited into the family of God, I'm now in this triune experience Mm -hmm. um, of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. My salvation itself was ordained by God, accomplished through the Son, and it's sealed in the Holy Spirit. So all three are at work. And I'm in this, and you talked about it this past weekend, I'm in this dance of the triune God Mm -hmm. that is a mystery, and yet I can kind of comprehend it, but all of it points to the beauty of God's love, Mm -hmm. of his mercy, of his grace, of his justice, and the way that he will destroy evil ultimately without destroying me because he wants me and he wants you in this holy relationship that is the triune God. It, 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 is, it is a mind-blowing, wonderful, beautiful mystery that's, that's the good news of great joy for all people. That's yeah. the gospel. Yeah, so this doctrine, um, I, I used to think, well, man, that is kind of a weird thing. Why did God do it that way? It, it's just stating the reality of what is. Yeah. And and John writes that that God is love. And, and so to go back in time, let, let, I started in Genesis 1. I want to go prior to Genesis 1, before this universe existed, before God spoke time and space into existence and all mm-hmm. that we know in our 3D world, uh, God existed. God has always been. Yeah. So when people, somebody, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm going to yeah. interrupt you. So when somebody says in a in a pipe and beer conversation, when somebody says, um, "Okay, yeah, but where did God come from?" I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You're you're thinking in the context of time. Mm-hmm. In the context of time, there is a beginning and an end. But God created time, mm-hmm. which means He transcends it. Yes." So you can't ask a being that lives outside of time, when was your beginning? Because there is no beginning. Mm-hmm. And then people just stare at you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, don't worry about it. It's just the wrong question. It doesn't fit. Go ahead. Yeah. So 
this doctrine is actually really significant for us understanding who we are, why we are. Uh, The big questions in life really come back to, okay, so before mankind existed, God was love. Mm-hmm. And and God was relational, mm-hmm. uh, and so love existed. Because if you think of it this way, if you think, well, God was just bored by himself with nothing to do in the void of darkness and the vacuum of space, which didn't even exist yet. But you know, whatever, it's just nothingness. And then he went, you know what? I'm bored. I'm gonna. I want to experience love. Let me create people. Let me create you know all of these animals and the stars and the moon and whatever. And 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 that way I can have relationship. And that that would mean love didn't exist. Until creation, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Yeah, love existed before creation, yeah. and and that creation came as a—I mean, it came out of the joy and out of the love that God had already been experiencing for all eternity. That's significant for understanding who we are. So, within the context, just to kind of drill down, maybe a little more on what Robert is is saying. So, God is self-sufficient within Himself. So, if you're like, why did God create man? Robert's point. Most people would say, oh, because he wanted to be loved. He wanted to be worshipped. No, that was already happening. Yes. Which means that God didn't create mankind to get love. He created mankind to give his love Uh, because God is self-sufficient within the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Uh, There is a mutual self-submission in the context of that relationship that is the essence of God. Just hang on tight. Uh, where it's mutual self-giving love, mm-hmm. which means God in his very essence is relational. God in his very essence is is love. One theologian was asked, what was God doing before he created the universe? And his answer was, he was enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that again because it's really good. What was God doing before he created the universe? He was enjoying themselves. And heaven, ultimately, all eternity, now we've been invited, is we will be enjoying themselves and mm-hmm. ourselves in the context of this relationship. So Trinity's a big deal. Yeah. Because when we talk about the Trinity, we're really talking about the essence of life, the meaning of life, uh, how life operates, because life exists only in the context of relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, the earth has a relationship with the moon, and as a result, life exists, and we have tides in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a dance within our solar system. The planets dance and move and rotate around the sun. The earth itself is rotating, um, and as a result, we have morning and night and seasons, and all of that dance is what makes life possible. Mm-hmm. And everybody's thinking, yeah, Mother Nature. Oh, no, no, no. Um, that dance is a reflection of the connection that exists within the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Life is possible because of giving and serving and the interconnectedness of all things. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Buddhism teaches something a little different. Christianity would say, no, 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 no. The connection of all things, it's not the circle of life. It's a reflection of who God is. And the mutual giving and serving in the context of nature created by God is what makes life exist. I mean, I'm going really big yep. and really philosophical, but but that's that's the essence of life. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus says to find your life, you must lose it. To live, you first must die. All creation already expresses that mm-hmm. because there is no life without service. The Godhead expresses that because the Father 
and the Son serve the Spirit, and the Spirit serves the Father and the Son, and the Son and the Spirit serve the Father, and it's mutual self They submit love. to one another. They glorify one another. They're, they're revolving around the other, too, is really what, what you see kind of this painting that we have in Scripture, which is the best way I can describe it, because it is, it's, it's this art. It's this beautiful, okay, we're getting bits and pieces of it. And, and to your point, so God created us um, to receive love and— to give love. Mm-hmm. And and so there, there's two sides to that because some people go, okay, yeah, God loves me. That's great. And I'm, I'm just going to receive it. I'm just going to receive it. I'm just going to receive it. That's not how the dance works. That's not how the dances work for all of eternity. The dance has always been, I'm going to receive love, but I'm also going to give love. It's that mutual self-giving love that, that you described. And, and it's no different for us. Our invitation to the dance is to receive the love of God. And if you've been around some value, you've, you've seen Chad do this, you've heard Chad say this, it's to learn to receive the love, the mercy, the grace of, of God, and then to give it away to others. God works it in. Yep. We work it out. But there's a part two to this. Talk about why the, the whole working it out, the, the love for others, why is that so essential to our own life and our own experiencing of love? Yeah, so we all believe this lie, and it's the lie of self-centeredness. The lie of self-centeredness says, if everything revolved around me, mm-hmm. I would be happy. Mm-hmm. So I was talking about nature a moment ago. Um, if the earth said, oh, no, 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 I'm not serving. I'm not sharing my gravitational pull, right? I'm not rotating around the sun. Life would cease to exist as we know it. Mm-hmm. There has to be mutual giving and serving for life to exist. Now, here's, here's the thing. That's nature. But the same is true for your soul. Self-centeredness causes the soul to begin to Mm self-destruct because you're bumping up against ultimate reality. Mm -hmm. And ultimate reality is you were created to give and serve. You were created to be in this dance of love. So, so, So let's just make it real practical, theological and impractical. So this being that is triune... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, creates man, creates Adam and Eve, first marriage. And this being who is three and yet one, one and yet three, creates these two and says, okay, I want you two now to become one. Okay. And obviously there's a physical expression of that, but in the original language, it's the mingling of souls. Mm -hmm. I want, God says, I want you two, Adam and Eve, to figure out how to become one. And the Bible calls the union of marriage, a mystery, and all of us are spending all of our lives, those of us who are married, working that out because mm-hmm. it is a challenge, right? Yeah. The mingling of souls to, to be- becoming one. So, and self-centeredness battles against the ultimate reality of giving and serving, the ultimate reality of, no, actually, when I give and I serve, that's when I really start to to live. If I'm just focusing on getting, mm-hmm. I'm self-centered, I'm bumping up against ultimate reality, and that's why I'll never be happy in the context of selfishness. Yeah. And yet we all believe the lie back where I started in my little sermon here. We all believe the lie of self-centeredness. And Jesus would say, oh, no, 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 no. To find your life, you must lose it. Yeah. You've got to step out of self-centeredness and begin to rotate and revolve around other people in the dance of giving and serving. And when you live for something bigger than yourself... That's when life really begins to show up. Yeah. It's just how life works. As much as you could argue and go, well, I don't think the, the idea of self-centeredness, there's, there's a stagnation to that. If I can get everything to revolve around me and I just stay put, well, that, that's death. 
Yeah. That's not life. To just stay put, I just want everything to, to serve me. Um, that's the original lie. By the way, you, you look in Genesis and you look at the serpent showing up and going, hey, did God really say this? And, he's and holding you, out on you. Yeah, you, you, could, be, you could be God is, is really the, the promise that he's making that ultimately doesn't come true. You could be the one who's you know, served and, and he, he breaks up the dance and he, he goes in and says, no, just make it all about you, self-centered. And, and now here we are trying to get back to where we were. Our souls are longing for it. And luckily God's put a plan in place so that we could. Yeah. So in my marriage... So I'll just preach to myself for a second. Okay. I, I have this idea in the context of the lie of self-centeredness. So here's the application in the context of the Trinity that we're talking about, the theological becoming functional in life. Um, I believe that if Katrina, my wife, just did everything I wanted her to do when I wanted her to do it, then our marriage would be a heck of a lot better. <laughs> like I would be so much happier, mm-hmm. right? And so Jesus... Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's our counselor, comforter, and friend. We'll talk about him here in a couple of weeks. The Holy Spirit looks at me and goes, dude, that is not the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is why I've given you no power over her. The only person you can control is yourself. And sometimes you don't do a good job with that either. Mm -hmm. But if you will be responsible for you and you'll make your aim not getting love for Katrina, but instead giving love to her, see if she'll reciprocate. Mm-hmm. And here's what I've learned in my marriage. She always does, yeah. right? Um, even in her woundedness and pain, and she's broken and I'm broken and we're two broken people trying to figure it out. When we both choose to give and serve mm-hmm. and enter the dance, marriage is actually a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we realize this truth. To find our lives, we've got to lose it. Yeah. To find our marriage, we, we've got to step out of self-centeredness. And then there's this beauty of the dance of becoming one. And it's, it's so great. And the more you bump up against the reality, I love the way you said that, of, of how things are, the more you realize the brilliance of Jesus's words. And it's so simple. It, it really is. And He's, it's so profound. He sounds so cute when he says, yeah. yes, to find your life, you must lose it. Let's get a tattoo or a bumper sticker yeah. or something. But the brilliance of that is deep and rich. And quite yeah. frankly, there's no bottom to that well. Yeah. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. Yeah. It's... It's a totally different way of looking at everything. And, and to your point about marriage, Lindsay and I, we used to, we used to do marriage books and we'd use it as, uh, as weaponry against each other. And, I'd, you know, we did like the five. That's love, why I don't mean marriage we books, We did the bro. five love languages. And then it became about, well, you're not filling my love tank. <laughs> and it was all about how you're not doing the things that I need you to do for me. And then wise counsel one day said, well, what if you made those books about actually you changing and helping the other person? And it was night and day different. And it changed our relationship. The dance is true. It's real. And it, and it works that way. Well, I'm, I'll confess this to you. So I feel like I, I'm, I, I might be growing like an ounce here because I was praying a couple of weeks ago about all the things I wish she would start doing, that mm-hmm. Katrina would start doing. Mm-hmm. And and <laughs> literally, I'm writing my prayer out in my journal. I, I do that every once in a while. We, we did a podcast before, and I was like, I don't like doing that. But when I'm really trying to think through something, I'll do that. And I realized none of what I was writing was about me. Mm-hmm. And I got so convicted, like like to tears. Mm-hmm. Why am I not praying God change me? Yeah. I don't have any control over her. And she's got free will, so she's going to do whatever she does, regardless of what God does over there. Um, but I have free will. God, how do you want to change me? And and when I pray that, mm-hmm. oh, suddenly things really begin to change. Uh, we're all wishing on a star, right? Which doesn't get you very far. When instead we need to be saying, God, what's your will? And thy will be done and help me do that. Yeah. Um, it's a whole different way to pray. Yep. 
But that's a decision to join the dance. Yeah. I'm going to give, I'm going to serve, I'm going to die to myself. And in that there's living. Yeah. That's so good. Well. The Trinity. We're going to hit pause here. We'll, we'll pick up the conversation next week and, and we'll start unpacking this further. But thanks for taking time to process. I think we should pray for people. And I, I think to go back to the brilliance of Jesus and when he teaches us to pray, he, he teaches us to pray, not my will, but God, your will be done. Um, he, he's teaching us to to do the steps of the dance. Yeah. Before you pray, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I suggest you pray, Robert. Um, let, let me just, mm-hmm. so this series is on what I call relational theology. Relational theology is that everything is a reflection of what we're talking about, that God is love, that God in the essence of who and what he is, he's relational. He's one in three, three in one. And, and can I just, if you're listening in, in this moment, Everything you desire in life, whether you realize it or not, is expressed in the context of who God is. This series is going to be so helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we can learn some of these foundational, rich principles, uh, it'll change everything. So I'm super excited about it. And over the next few weeks on the prod- podcast, we'll, we'll talk about it. But it's going to be deep and rich and fun and very applicable. Mm-hmm. So go on the journey with us in the Trinity. You want to pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Thanks, man. God, I I ask on behalf of of all who are are listening, um, myself, Chad, God, would you uh, would you continually transform us? It's so easy to look out and, and see how other people need to change and. Uh, how other people are getting things wrong or whatever it is. Um, I, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would, uh, you would speak to each one of us. God, that whatever it is that, that we desire from our own, just personal desire, selfish desire, um, God, that we would, we would hand that over to you. I pray on behalf of, of all who are listening, whether maybe they're, they're not quite there yet, but um, just to say out loud, Jesus, you, you have our lives. And um, we, we don't want it to be about us and everything revolving around us and self-centeredness. We want it to be about uh, this dance that you've invited us to, to be about you, to glorify you. Mm-hmm. Um, so God, we pray out loud right now, not our will, but your will be done. Uh, would you lead us? Would you help us to submit uh, ourselves to you, our, our desires? Would you help us to see opportunities to serve and to walk in those opportunities God, to glorify you. God, thanks that in return, God, you really in advance, you, you've already served us. You've already given us that love. You've already bestowed um, incredible honor and value on us. Would you help us to return the favor? Uh, would you help us to respond to you and to others in that same way? And God, may we learn these steps of this dance that will continue through all eternity. Uh, lead us, guide us, teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Loving God, Loving People podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this conversation, we'd love it if you rated the podcast and left us a review. Also, sharing this with a friend is a great way to help more people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And lastly, you are always welcome to join us online for one of our services every week at live.sv.cc or go to locations.sv.cc to join us in person at one of our physical locations. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.